Blog Talk Radio. It's Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and welcome to another episode of Be Unique's Unscripted, where we talk to artists, musicians, performers, and business professionals. My name is Tony Taylor. I'll be your host for this evening. You know, you could spend your Thursday nights anywhere, and we are excited you're spending it with us. The conversation is cool, it's calm, and it's casual. You can also be a part of the conversation by dialing 516-418-418. Five six five one. Now, before we begin, let's talk about why you need to get on your phone and go to beunique.org. That's b u n e k e dot org. Here's what Be Unique is all about. Our mission is to work today to change tomorrow using digital mediums to connect the world with professional storytelling and media production. We work to educate, inspire, and foster positivity and creativity worldwide through video, audio, and a spectacular literary magazine featuring writers from around the world. The newest Be Unique magazine is out right now, and you can read it online along with Be Unique Brevard magazine, the Space Coast premier magazine. Be Unique is also a media powerhouse. Not only do you get this incredible podcast hosted by me, Tony Taylor, but 11 other shows. So sit back, get comfortable, and get ready to dial 516-418-5651 with your questions, comments, and whatever else you may want to say. Let's meet our guest. All right. Good evening, everybody. It is Thursday night. It is 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. My name is Tony Taylor, and you are listening to Unscripted. Tonight, I am so excited about this episode because it's got one of my two top ten passions, which is music. Music and movies. You know I'm a big movie fan. You know I go nuts about the movies, but next to movies, music is my passion. And joining me tonight, I am extremely lucky to have, is Brian Campbell. He is a music lover. He is not a musician. He is not a musicologist. He doesn't play a single instrument, and he can't sing. But that's okay, because that's exactly what we want from this show tonight. We are interested in music. And we're interested in people that love music. Brian, good evening. How are you tonight? I am fantastic, Mr. Taylor. Appreciate you inviting me on. I just want to take one exception. I do need to take exception, though, as your intro said that you invite musicians, artists, and business professionals, and I I am none of the above. So maybe you mistakenly booked me, but nonetheless, I'm Uh, here. Happy to answer your questions. (laughs) This one. This was no this was no mistake. No. I have known I've known Brian for quite a long time and I can tell you if you're listening that there is no other person I know who takes music more seriously and loves music more deeply than Brian Campbell, which is why I am privileged tonight to have him on air and have him talk about music. So Brian, we're gonna jump right into this right now and we're gonna start right at the beginning and say, Brian, what is it? about music that you love what what does music mean to you you know you've uh, you booked me a week ago and um i've been thinking about this and i still don't have a great answer um give it a shot but, you know the 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 there there's an immediacy first of all 
um, there is an emotional immediacy that you get from uh, music that you don't get from many other art forms. Um, and there, there is um, a history to it. And my background is, you know, I, I, my degree originally was in English literature and humanities, and I'm a history buff, um, just like you. You know, we've known each other forever. And, right. um, the, you know, history is a big thing to me, and the arts are, are a big thing, a p- part of that, right? And so right, right. art is either a reflection of the time um, or it's a conscious consciousness of the time, right? And so right. it's it to me it's like a... a historic puzzle um, in learning all the different genres um, that just speak to me and understand, uh, you know, if I'm, I'm listening to, you know, Greta Van Fleet, where does that, that come from? And following the lineage back to Led Zeppelin and back to, you know, the Yardbirds and then back to, to Willie Dixon and, and the Bluesmen and things like that. So for me, it, there's, there's the emotional side of it, which is the immediacy and the impact of, of what you're hearing. But there's also the, um, the, the puzzle of trying to put it all together and understand how all these things fit. Wow. Brian, when did you realize you had this love for music? Was it a particular song as a kid? I mean, what happened? What, what got you so enthralled with music? Um, you know, I think that was probably when I was, I don't know, somewhere between five and seven. And I would, uh, I would sit and with headphones on with listening to eight tracks, um, eight tracks back in the Yes, back in the 70s. Um, and I remember the first, I think the first album that really enthralled me was um, Neil Diamond's Beautiful Noise. And oh, I Neil Diamond. And so I, I, we, we, I would listen to that. My parents, my, my two older brothers would be sitting watching TV all night, but I'd be in the dark um, area of the, the dining room with my headphones on listening. And then the, I think the second thing that really got me into rock, though, was um, – we were part of Columbia House, uh, and if you were ever a part oh, of that, you Columbia know, you, every House. month, yeah, I remember you would get, right. they would send you every month something. And so one day, accidentally, Kiss, Kiss Dynasty showed up, um, and that was a radical. I was seven years old, I think, or around that time, and it was just a radical thing. And so I would just, we would play this a track over and over and over. But there was one song on there that really just stood out for me and it wasn't I was made for loving you. It was I was just Ace Frehley's, was it? <laughs> it is not it was Ace Frehley's cover of Two Thousand Man, which was a Rolling Stone song. And right. it sounds nothing like it. It's very straight ahead hard rock. Um right. you know, production lacking, but um that I never heard a guitar um, an electric guitar sound like that before. And I was, you know, like six or seven, like I said. And so after that, I was just sucked in. And, uh, you know, all things rock was, was where I was at. How do you keep up with today's music, though? Because I know a lot of people, and I'm speaking about myself, get stuck in a situation where we start listening to music more for nostalgia than for love of it. How do you separate those two? <clears throat> Um, I, well, that, that's, uh, that's a pretty tough question because I think the, the lines between those two things are starting to blur quite a bit. Um, 
Is that an age thing? I, I, well, definitely an age thing, right? And yeah. so that's sort of one, of one of my thoughts are that, you know, you, you know, I just turned 50. And, you know, time is, it becomes more and more precious to you as you become older. Right. And I don't want to be, you know, listening to something um, just for the sake of trying to listen to something that is current and, and hip or whatever you want right. to call it. Right. I want to, I, but I, that doesn't stop me from exploring it. And so right. what I do is, you know, is I find new bands I, and I listen to it. If, if it's not worth my time, I quickly discard, discard it. And, you know, in the business world, we call that fast failing. Um, and it's just, you, you, it's, I don't have time for it. And I would rather, and I'll give you a, an example. Um, okay. And God, I, I know I am going to upset anyone at some point on this call. So <laughs> I, I, I apologize in advance, but upset you know, away, the latest right. Iron Maiden, Go ahead. Iron Maiden just put out uh, uh, an album a year or two ago, um, double album, Jiu-Jitsu. And, and I listened to it. I'm like, yeah, that's decent. But after a couple of lists, I'm like, do, would I rather listen to this or would I rather listen to Number of the Beast? Where – and, you know, I, I make I, – I sort of weigh those things when I'm right. listening to new music. But then there's some things that completely grip me. Um, but I'll give you the, the one outside example okay. that, that is, has really flipped my mind this past year, which is Kate Bush and Running Up That Hill. That Kate Bush running almost, up – that's 1982, isn't it? That's almost 40 years old, right? Yeah. And that yeah. was a number one hit because of Stranger Things just over the last year. There was a number one hit now in England and all across the world. It just became a phenomenon. So is yeah. that current or is that retro? You know? And you saw that if, if anyone watches The Last of Us, um, the very first episode ended with Depeche Mode's uh, Never Let Me Down Again. Right, right, the right. The streaming – Streams spiked for that song after that. So is it current or is it retro? And, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with – That is a with, question. You know, whether – so, yeah, there's, there's no right or wrong answer to that. You know, I think you, you find solace uh, in, in things that are comfortable, but I, I personally find just a, a desire to keep looking – for more new things. And I, I've tried to, I try to weigh that. Right. You know, um, I think, you you know, me as a, as a movie fanatic and, and, and I am a movie fanatic. Um, but I don't consider cinema the greatest of art forms. Uh, Um, I consider music the greatest art form. And I'll tell you why, because for me, it's like a giant time machine. You know, I can go and put on a song that I listen to, uh, for instance, boy, I'm going to really date myself here. I'm going to date myself and probably make you laugh, but um, I will put on Rhythm Heritage's theme from the ABC TV show SWAT, okay? And that was 1970, all right? I love that. I can tell you exactly when I got that 45, where I was at, and why I was listening to it. And that's the, that's the power. That's the majesty, really of music is the fact that it is able to transport you back to a moment in your time and time of where and when you first heard that song, unlike movies or even art, you know, sorry, artists and sorry, uh, 
directors, but music has that power, you know, and that's why I no, asked I, you about nostalgia. Yeah, no, I agree, and and there's there's another aspect to it, which is more than, and again, I'll probably be be crucified by folks, but more to me, more than any other art form, it's really pulling nothing out of the ether and making it real. Right. Right. And right. And and so that 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 that, uh, that creativity typically is, and that's where the immediacy comes in because it, it's it, immediate inspiration, you know, for the artist, and they're able to translate that into something, um, and you know, quickly. Unless you're Bruce Springsteen, then you know, it takes six months, <laughs> but <laughs> for one song, but it's you know that's. But there's there's nothing wrong with nostalgia. Um, I, yeah. I, and it goes back to my point about history. You, 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 everyone is standing on the shoulders of each other, you know. Right. And I'll, I'll tell you, you know what? One of the maybe one of the most important points in my life musically was watching Ken Burns jazz. That started in literally in the the um, you know the the fields in the slave days of the, mm-hmm. the, the hymns that were sung there and how they right. translated into blues and jazz and all the, you know, all the, the, the blues is where rock and roll comes from. Right. And so Absolutely. this is that, that, that was, a, I, I, from that point on, I have listened to jazz like you wouldn't believe. And I, I know that, who man. I like, right. I, but I, I couldn't tell you, I know John Coltrane, and I know everything he's done. I couldn't name me a song title though, but I know I love it. I know I love it, and I play it all the time, you know. And exactly. you know, it's just things like that. Dave Brubeck, and you know, I, I that was like a turning point for me, which is going back and really figuring out where all this stuff comes from, and and History. sort of putting down the the barriers that you've kind of created for yourself. Yeah. Hey, Brian, um, you may have pissed off somebody because I had a call on the line. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take it, okay? Are you ready for this? Oh, boy. I'm ready. All right. Well, good evening. You're on Unscripted with Brian Campbell. How? Who am I speaking with? Hello? 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 Oh, well, you may have lost it. Please call back. Please Maybe they were so her. mad they had a cor- um, they had a coronary <laughs> they were so mad. Call back. I, I tend okay, to I tend well. to have that effect on people. <laughs> Silence is golden, right? Okay. Well, Brian, we're talking about music and we're talking about the impact of music and we're talking to a music lover, and I'm sure at some of these points in in time, um, you've had uh, songs that you feel are monumental and instrumental. And uh, I was very lucky enough to have you give me your list. And um, I want to start with the first song you've chosen, which is quite unique. It's considering when you're talking about the 60s, because we're going to start. We're going to start with the 60s, and we're going to move all through. Oh, the caller's back. Brian, let's see if we can take this call. Hold on a second. Hello, you're on the air with Unscripted. My name is Tony Taylor, and you're on the air with Brian Campbell. Who am I speaking with?
Okay. Hello? Hello? Hey, Tony? Hey, Bob. Good evening. I'm not the, I'm not the same one that just called in. I just happened to – I got dumped and I just calling back. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, come on by <laughs> back, Bob. Good and I, I don't have anything uh, – I don't have any uh, – uh, uh, anything to say bad about Brian's stuff? Uh, <laughs> Thank you. All right, you're off the hook, Brian. You're All off right. The hook on that. Good. That's that's the I, uh, easiest way to I would like comment into though. this conversation. Yes, I would like to comment that I'm older than both of you guys. Uh, I was, oh geez, I was around ten or eleven years old when Elvis Presley hit the scene, and 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 of course was able to witness everything after that. And just I'll never uh, always be grateful that I lived during the the late '60s and early '70s when music was just so transformative and it was just so different from everything else. It seems to me it's mostly homogenized today. And there are some exceptions, of course, but uh, mostly homogenized. And uh, I give a lot of credit to the uh, to the uh, music executives at the time. They encouraged uh, all these uh, different bands to uh, to be creative. And uh, you don't you don't see that much anymore. Brian, what do you think? No, I, I you know I, to to a, a fair amount, I, I agree with that. Um, and. That's you know going back to the '60s, obviously, mm-hmm. that that was part of the the culture, the growth of our culture, I should say, coming out of the mm-hmm. '50s. So you know that that was just in the DNA of the time. Um, you know, I think um, you know when it comes to modern music, I, and I I do tend to agree, and especially when you start around the the aughts, you know, 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, with a lot of the the prefab bands that were put together, and just the how how produced everything has become, and just for an example, to your point, when you look at songwriting credits today for uh, Mariah Carey or whoever it is out there, you know, they they typically have eight writers. Yeah, who has eight right? What are all those eight writers doing, right? In, mm-hmm. in for one song, and so, it, but at the same time, if you, I think that there there are a lot of a lot of bands that really hold up um, today. Uh, you you got to do a little bit of searching, and uh, you know it does take a little bit of legwork. But there there's a lot of bands out there um, that I think really hold true to that spirit. It's just not. It's not on your your radio station that your your terrestrial radio station. I I don't stream. I'll say that I have I do not have a streaming service and I don't listen to terrestrial radio. I listen to Sirius XM. Um, they're paying me to say that, but um, <laughs> that's I, you know there's such <laughs> diversity on that you know the channels that I, I I literally keep a notepad next to me when I hear something and I write down the band name and the song, and then I go and I research it when I have time. Um, and that's, that's just, you know, how I find different types of music. And that's where, what leads me to keep renewed faith, so to speak, Bob, <laughs> in modern music. Yeah, I agree with you. You have to dig for it. You have to really dig for it or stumble across something that's really good. And, uh, uh, that's kind of a shame because I think the, the the younger people today, you know, I, I think some of them have found the older music, and and that's encouraging. But other than that, if you don't look for it, um, music is isn't that impactful for you, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. And, 
And my particular, uh, the genre, the genre that I really like is progressive rock, and uh, it was like really life changing for me. Uh, back in oh the early seventies, I was uh, I was in the chess a lot at the time. I was playing chess with with my brother, and. Uh, and my wife walks in with this uh, with this album from Yes, uh, the Yes album, and there's a song in there, Your Move, it has a reference to chess. I listen and I says, oh, my God, this is completely different from anything I've heard. And uh, I was an addict from there on, you know. Uh, going you're back you're talking little... to a Yes nerd. I am a Yes nerd, so I, I understand. Yeah, I and I've been yeah. to like 30 different shows for them. It's really just a great band. Anyway, uh, going back a little further, uh, my first introduction, I think, to more or less complicated music, if you want to put it that way, uh, would, was the Ventures back in the mid-'60s. And uh, yeah. they had this guitar, the blend of guitars that was just unique for the time. Yeah. Yeah. Would you would and, you guys uh, say though would you guys say though that um the internet with its streaming services though has a that spirit to really flourish of 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 things that aren't controlled by a music industry with you know with people you know eight eight songwriters doing their thing with Mariah Carey <laughs> I mean what do you think what is your what is your impression of the internet on, on allowing that spirit to continue that we saw once in the 60s? I would, I would point to Lil Nas X. I mean, the kid bought a sample that was from a, a Trent Reznor album, and he created you know, a hit song that was, I think, what, 17 or 18 weeks at number one? Um, wow. And, I mean, he did it in his bedroom. And it was all over the internet that that allowed him to do that. I mean, there, there. I mean, look at Justin Bieber, right? He was an internet sensation. That's Whether right. Whether you like his right. music or not, I, you know, right. it's debatable. But <laughs> you know, but well, uh, you know, it, it's it's empowering to a degree. But for the lucky one out of ten or fifty million that actually can break through, that it's right. great. But for everyone else, I think it's diminished. Um, their ability to really to to get their music out there. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. you feel it's more you feel it's more more things that people have to wade through to get to that. That's music. part of it, but it also is destroyed the record companies. Well, part of it is the record companies destroyed themselves, but they people don't have the backing of record companies. They don't have those checks being cut to them where they can go and get promotion and make albums and, and things like that. Um, so it's sort of double-edged sword. I'm sorry, Bob. I, I, you probably had a comment there. Uh, no, no. Go ahead. That's fine. No, no. Yeah, I, was, I was done. Yeah, we were talking about the internet, Bob. And, and I mean, have you been able to discover music that you like that is new uh, from the internet? I, I, I thank YouTube. <laughs> oh, YouTube. Yeah, it's the same thing, Bob. You find a ton of stuff on there. <laughs> Uh, in fact, I, I was just sharing with uh, Tony. Uh, I ran across um, uh, Steve Hackett back with the original Genesis. Uh, oh yeah, doing yeah. Genesis revisited, and there's a, a singer on there I've never heard before, and I don't believe I don't see how I missed him. You know, uh, Nad Sylvan, if you've ever heard or heard of him, and uh, really powerful singer, and uh, uh, perfect for that kind of music too. You know. 
No, I'll yeah. have to check it out. That's yeah, great. We'll check it out. Well, well, Brian, Brian has got some songs that that he feels have been influential throughout the decades, and um, I want to play his first choice. Now, this is the 1960s, so automatically you would think, oh, well, we want to go to the Beatles. We want to go to this. We want to go to the Stones. We want to go to the Beach Boys. No, this is different, and this is from a band that was called the Velvet Underground, and it was headed up by Lou Reed. Let's listen to a little bit of Heroin. Okay, from a time with Steppenwolf's Born to be Wild, Beatles doing Sgt. Pepper, Monkeys doing uh, what they were doing on TV. Brian, what are you thinking about when, you, when, you, when you're talking about the Velvet Underground in the 1960s? Um, well, I, I mean, you just heard it. I mean, for God's sake, nothing sounded like that at the time. But, you know, at the time that you're talking about, um, you know, it was the, the drug revolution was happening. The sexual revolution was happening. Um, the heroin was the first song that really didn't beat around the bush about it was talking about. It was straightforward. It didn't, um, depending on who, how you interpret it, um, it didn't glamorize it. It didn't make it sexy or romanticize drugs. Um, it, it talked about it in a very straightforward way and, and all the things that it, it can transform um, your life into. And the music itself is so stark um, right. and, and brutal that, and it reflects the, the, the trip itself, you know? Um, and I, I love that line. It's my life and it's my wife, but the, the snarky um, uh, little laugh that comes after that, that he's so out of it that he thinks that it's such a brilliant line. And I'm not saying that Lou Reed was tripping at the time he wrote it, but um, <laughs> it, it just comes across that it's like, only a it, music you, lover. You're, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, you're on your, your trip and you just think that that's the most brilliant thing. It's my wife and it's my life. <laughs> and it just, every time I hear that line, it just, it, it kills me. And I, I just think that um, it, 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 at the time that album didn't sell. It was it was a complete bomb. Um, really, and it wasn't until later. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, it was it was a huge bomb. Um, it, it wasn't until later that it started to become a, a, a classic. Um, and I don't think that people at the time were ready to to embrace that type of right. stark right. this description of drugs. Um, right. 
and, and the music was harsh. Uh, you know, the viola that John Cale plays, um, that twisting viola sound that just gets wired up, uh, right. reflecting that trip is just brilliant to me. Um, on top of how the, the guitar is just plain and stark, you know, it's just, um, right. It, 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 I think it, it was the, um, it was almost the end of the sixties before the sixties ended. Right. Mm. So do you think the velvet underground were reflecting their time? Oh, absolutely. You talked about that earlier. Yeah. You talked about that earlier. Yeah, I do. I think that, that it just wasn't talked about in that manner. I mean, you had John Lennon talking about Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, right? You, right. you had you know these subversive, you know, uh, uh, mentions of of pot, you know, Dylan and, and whomever. But it's not. It wasn't so in your face, and it wasn't romanticized. And, and just one thing that Lou Reed always. Um, regretted was that he that people thought he was um he was some way um complimenting being the 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 drug heroin and he would have people come up to him at shows and say i took heroin because of you thank you and he would be it would make him oh man yeah. And uh, even though he was, you know, an addict himself, but, you know, it, it still it, – it wasn't the intent of what he was trying to get through with that song. Right, right. Uh, Bob, mm. did you want to make a comment? Uh, no, just – it reminded me a little bit of um, Eric Clapton, Cocaine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of along that thing. genre, yeah. And although I guess the downside was whenever he sung that in concert, the uh, – the audience will all holler out cocaine on that line. <laughs> <laughs> uh, something to feel proud about, Eric. Uh, listen, yeah. guys, can we take a really short break? i got to pay some bills. And uh, we'll be right back on with Bob and Brian Campbell, music lover. We'll be right back, folks, after these messages. Have you ever read a web article on the Internet that really spoke to you? No, I mean really spoke to you. Well, let me tell you about Newsly. Newsly is the new and incredible audio app made especially for iOS and Android. Newsly picks up web articles about the most trending topics throughout the entire Internet. And at any given moment, Newsly reads those web articles to you in a natural human voice. Browse your favorite articles from topics you choose. Stop scrolling, start playing, start listening, and start learning. And Newsly has podcasts as well. Explore trending podcasts from over 40 countries. Our podcasts, Unscripted, Coffee, Candy, and Creative, and On Demand are there too. Go to www.newsly.me to download and use Newsly for free now. And if you use promo code BEUNIQUERADIO, all one word and with caps, receive a one-month free premium description. For the first time in the history of the Internet, the web becomes listenable. Listen and learn with Newsly. Unique works to change the world for a better tomorrow using digital mediums to connect the dots of the world through professional storytelling. We have all embracing, all inclusive heart, and are always learning to create new things to revitalize and sustain old things. While recognizing our differences, we use positive and universal thinking to strategize for a positive outcome. 
we collaborate, people of all distinctions, to create a better me, a better you, a better us. By caring for others, there's no room in our hearts for hatred, racism, or egoism. So, let our visions heal and keep the promises of what we will be. One day, by living helpful, caring, and happy, healthy, and essential lives. With the wonderful staff and volunteers at Be Unique, we will continue to pursue that dream by making the world a better place for everyone. From everyone at BeUnique.org, to our readers and listeners, thank you for all your support. There's so much more on the way. Thanks for listening. And remember, the best way to be unique is to just be you. All right, we're back with Brian Campbell and Bob. Bob, we're back with you guys. Uh, Brian, I would like to go ahead. We we discussed the Velvet Underground. We discussed the 60s. Um, let's move on to the 70s. And your choice for the 70s is kind of unique because we're talking about a time of disco. We're talking about a time of heavy rock, of hard rock, and then eventually heavy metal. But uh, let's go ahead uh, uh, play your next choice, which is from David Bowie, and it's Heroes. Let's hear a little bit of Heroes. That's David Bowie back in 1977 doing Heroes. Now, you're talking about a decade where music really exploded. I mean, you had Fleetwood Mac. You had, um, you had all of these uh, disco. You had the, the soundtrack from Greece. Why did you land on David Bowie's Heroes as a song that's influential and, and powerful to the 1970s? Um, well, two th- first, a uh, couple precursors to that first i you know when when you and i talked about picking a song you know there's there's it's such an overwhelming task that you know to me there's no right answer it's just sort of what what each individual's uh inspiration is so you know there there's that um and when i picked i initially that was the very first song that came to mind for me wow the the very first song I didn't. I didn't realize that I was riding on the shoulders in tie-ins to the Velvet Underground because Lou Reed um, it was so intrinsic and, and tied to David Bowie in the '70s. Um, but for for that song, I, it's it's considered probably his greatest song, um, his greatest vocal performance, um, and the lyrics are something are, are just beautiful. But you know, there's more to that and. There's there were different parts of that song that I wanted to take a clip of, especially the the one where he starts belting out, you, "I would be king and you would be queen," and that's you know his most 
raging part of emotionally in that song, but the, I chose the the very beginning um, because it's it, it really to me is when you listen, it's an amalgamation of so many things because you've got and if you think about it, you have Bowie and all that he's done. He started as as a, a sort of avant garde and then mainstream rocker. Um, with Ziggy Stardust and then moved into more avant-garde stuff and in the Philly um, sound and then moved into his Berlin trilogy, um, which this is part of. And so right. he's got all these different things going on that in those first 30, 40 seconds, he blends in. Um, you've got Brian Eno from Roxy Music on keyboards. Okay. You've got Robert Fripp from King Crimson on guitar. And just doing that howling all the way through. So you, and then you've got Tony Visconti on this bass line. And so the three of them are, are completely different backgrounds. Building this beautiful um, uh, amalgamation of music together. And then on top of it, I didn't really hear this until I, I li- was listening closely the other day. You've got a sax coming from Bowie um, right, that is right. mirroring the, the guitar part. And so... It, I, I just think that when you think about the 70s, so much was going on, to your point. You had freaking Grease soundtrack and, and uh, Boston, you know, on the charts at the same time, and the Carpenters, and, I mean, you name it. It was just a, such a weird time that anything could chop the, uh, top the charts that, you know, when I listen to that, it's just uh, an amalgamation of all these different things that Bowie brought to the table that he experienced and ex- experimented with. Um, and I, I think that it, it just, to me, that just brings out uh, uh, what he he was able to accomplish through those years. So in my understanding you correctly, then you're saying that, that Bowie was able to take all of those genres – that was happening at the time and mix them in to this one song to give you the, the impression of well, not the impression. That's the word I'm looking for um, to, to just combine all of what was going on at the time on the charts and what was selling and what was happening all in that one song. You can hear it. Do I understand that? To, to me and, 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 and not just what was happening on the charts, but what he himself had had explored through the okay. that decade. I mean, if you listen to you know like Young Americans, and if you listen to like um, you know Station to Station, and I mean those were big departures from Ziggy Stardust and Hunky right. Dory. Um, right. You know those were much more mainstream uh, rock. You know, so right. he he was able to take these things and put them all together. Oh, that's amazing. Do you think, though, that, that all of those genres coming together in the 70s is what definitely carried over into the 80s, do you think? Um, I think all those genres led to um, a rebellion. I think that's where punk came from. Okay. Um, and I think that led to uh, – because when you start talking about the 80s, there, you, you, go, you sort of go to the, to the tropes, right? You know, the, the big hair, the new wave – uh, the hair metal in the late 80s. Um, but, I mean, if you look at how the 80s started, and, you know, I, I could have easily have cha- chosen The Clash, right? Um, right. The right. Call. 
you know, something like that. That was one of those transformative albums that took us from 79 into 80. Um, and bands started to realize or be put together that weren't really able to play all that well. Um, and the punks died out quick, but you moved into a post-punk and new wave era. Um, right. where it became much more artistic, regardless of, of your opinion of synthesizer bands or, or new wave bands and things like that. But it really tar- it, it did transform music. And it, I think it, it, in the 80s, Duran Duran was probably the first band to take all of that and really transform it into oh, something okay. palatable to the public. Okay. And if you look, Duran Duran worships the hell out of David Bowie. And they do a fantastic <laughs> cover of Fame. Okay. Um, well, let me ask you this, though. You were talking about how it transformed. Would, would I be wrong to say that Blondie would be an example of that transformation? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, that whole New York scene. Um, and the Go-Go's. I don't forget about the Go-Go's. They were a punk band. Blondie, if you look at, uh, you know, what they did uh, coming out, you know, hanging on the telephone and, you know, things like that. They were more of a a punk band than anything. But as things like reggae started to infiltrate, I mean, the Clash were a huge dub and reggae band by the time they finished. That uh, uh, Blondie... Um, you know, that's how they got the beat for Titus High and, you know, in police, the police were, were, were hitting on the, the reggae beats. Um, so, you know, these type of things started to influence these bands that transformed them and moved them away from the punks, I think, um, okay. into something more legitimate or main, mainstream. Okay. Now, you're talking about music that combined all of the elements that were already there in the 70s uh, with reggae, with, uh, with new wave, with uh, punk, and with rock and roll. Um, but nothing, I guess, would uh, unite genres of difference than this one song, which uh, needs no introduction. Let's go ahead and roll it. Talk to me, Brian Campbell. Tell me how impactful and why you chose Run DMC's Walk This Way to be the most, uh, one of the most influential songs of the 1980s. Well, first, uh, I, rap is out of my lane, so I just want to put that out there. I'm, I am no rap expert, although last few years I have started to educate myself. Um, but, I, you know, going through, I, I kept thinking, okay, 
like I said, do you, do you go down the punk route? Do you go down the new wave route? Do you go down the mainstream pop or hair metal? There's so many genres and there were so many fragmentations of, of music starting um, and splintering in the eighties that it just, it started to like hit me that how, how, what is something that really blended different styles? Um, and, you know, I, I started to look at the Beastie Boys, um, but I think the most impactful one would be Walk This Way because it was right. the first song, the rap song to really break through. Um, that, that album, um, Raisin Hell, was the first platinum album, I believe, for a rap group. Um, and it brought, brought rap to the mainstream like nothing else had ever done before. Um, it, made, it legitimized of- it. Right. Was there right. any kind of combination, though? Because had there ever been a combination of of assimilating rap into mainstream? Oh, well, yeah, pop? yeah. Okay. I mean, you mentioned Blondie. I mean, that, that Fab, Fab Five Freddy. I mean, that was the, the on, uh, what was it? Is it um, Rapture? No. Yeah, um, Rapture. Yes, rap, uh, yeah, yeah. The, that was, I mean, at the time, that was probably the first time you really heard a blending of it. But for, but this was an enormous this was a mega hit and the thing is the band run dmc knew the beat this beat from walk this way had been circulating apparently through the rap artists at the time really? but they only knew like the the, the boom, you know the very intro beat they right. would sample that that's all they knew they no, never went past that um and they didn't know the rest of the song and so when rick rubin presented this to them um, Run DMC was like, that's a whole, whole bunch of hillbilly rock. They didn't want to do it. <laughs> okay. And they, but they knew the beat, and so right. once they were able to to, to get there um, and get past that, and you know, massage it with Aerosmith. And Aerosmith at the time was on their last legs. They were, you know, um, they, in a bad they, way. They needed help. Yeah. yeah, they were paid like eight, eight or nine thousand dollars or something for that get that session or something. That um, was it. They, but yeah, so but and so neither of them wanted to do it, but once they did and embraced it, the whole, it just took over the world. I mean, you and I lived through it. It was. I know. I know. I uh, it was. Know. It, it truly was. I mean, the video at the time was huge, and it truly was breaking down walls and barriers. It really was. It really was. And would it be sacrilege to say that, you know, um, I kind of prefer the Run DMC version of Walk This Way. I think it's got a more aggressive, more uh, uh, spontaneous sound than the original. So please forgive me, those of you who are Aerosmith worshipers. Um, I do appreciate very much um, Run DMC's Walk This Way. Um, do you think it had a gateway to um, let's say, let's face it, a gateway for white listeners to get into rap? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. Totally, I mean, it's that, that simple. I mean, it's. It, 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 I mean, there's no explanation needed. It, it just was. And and let's not beat around the bush. Aerosmith and that classic song helped. You know, it, oh yeah, it, absolutely. It, it, no, no, 
you got the beat, you got the the familiarity of it, and and uh, it definitely. It, it, I guess it's kind of like what would you say? It's kind of like a a comfort zone for getting into that new style of music that was really exploding at the time, rap. Yeah, well, yeah, and don't forget the BC Boys were out like a year, year and a half earlier than that with License to Ill, and you can debate whether or not that was really a a rap album, but at the right. time it was considered rap but you know and so you had three white punks from from brooklyn um you know trying to rap over rock guitar right so i think that that was a good introduction and and helped pave the way for something like this to really explode this was walk this way was much more of a rap song than anything i think that that uh Beastie Boys were trying to do at the time, until right. Paul's boutique. But that's right, a whole, right, that's a whole another episode, that's whole, right? That's a whole other <laughs> unscripted episode. <laughs> now listen, you go from that. You go from again. We're we're seeing a consistency here with music and just uh, just uh, uh, swallowing up genres, swallowing up genres and incorporating them into um, into song. Yet. You know, when I talk to you about the 90s and the 2000s, you go with a completely different direction, and I want to ask you about that. Let's hear a little bit of Alonymous Moore sets you ought to know. I want you to know that I'm happy for you. I wish nothing but the best for you both. I know the version of me Morissette, you switch gears completely. Talk to me about Alanis Morissette and what that song means to that decade. And to you. Um, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You there? No, that was me. That was me. Okay. Um, go ahead, Brian. Well, you know, for the 90s, there, there's an immediate uh, uh, magnet, magnetic uh Trance to go right to to grunge, right in Nirvana, um, right. and you know all that that whole scene. But to me, that was just a scene, and it it, it didn't last that long. Um, we romanticize it. You and I lived through it, yeah. um, but it really, it, it yeah, it was the death of hair metal. Um, but the the scene only lasted two or three years, really. Um, and Alanis came around in '95, I believe, so right in the middle of the decade. And the decade ended in a weird way where you had like Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and Britney and, and all this. So, it, and, you know, uh, Spice Girls, um, you had – it started in a, a, a very revolutionary way. It ended in sort of a whimper. And, oh. But in the middle, you had 
Alanis, who came out of nowhere. Um, yeah. And the reason I chose it was because the, you had all these guys in flannel, you know, screaming for, for a couple years. Um, but th- there really weren't any women out there. And Alanis came out of nowhere and took the, she, she, she sort of took the reins of female empowerment again. Okay. Uh, and she did it with music that was uh, somewhere between that had a tinge of grunge, but also was very poppy, um, mm-hmm. and but but very passionate in what she was talking about. And she was, I mean, that song right there. She's talking about she she's owning her own story there. Talk about owning your story. Yeah. Um, she's not ashamed to talk about and and own. You know what you know she did in the theater to the guy and you know things like that and you know it's it's a it's like you're the one who's missing out on right and she's controlling the story herself and for years i think we had lost that that female voice in, right. in rock um right. i mean you even with even even in the, the era of madonna i mean do we lose that voice? I, I i think madonna's her own thing i madonna you know it, when and the people probably might think, well, you didn't mention Prince or Michael Jackson or Madonna or, or, or in the 80s. To me, they are pillars and they are cornerstones, but they are their own thing. Um, Madonna was her own thing. And around that time, Madonna, for me, was more about shock value than, than right. empowerment. Um, and that's just my own opinion. And I, I know I'll probably get a lot of hate mail, but I won't get my email out. So, um, <laughs> don't do that. No. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, Alanis took it in a, a very different way. Um, and you know, I, I think the, the, win, the, the bold women that we had listened to in the seventies and eighties, Pat Benatar and, um, you know, uh, the, uh, uh, uh uh, what's her um, from the Pretenders? Hind, Chrissy Hind, and yeah. um, Susie Sue. You know, they they those they were very strong women, but they weren't out in the forefront anymore for a long time. And right. I think Alanis cracked through um, a, a, a need, um, sort of in the market, if you want to call it that. Right. Um, she saw an opening, and she 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 claimed it. Sure did, boy. I sold 25 million copies. We got, we're down to our last five minutes. We could go on for a longer period of time, but now minutes. So, Brian, I want to ask you, as a continued avowed music lover, um, are you still hopeful and are you still excited about music? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh man, I tell you, every day. So I, you know, I I work at home uh, in a let's call it a you know traditional business. A type job, but when I'm not on conference calls all day, I have SiriusXM going, and I'm switching around stations. And like I said earlier, I keep a pad of, that I write down when something hits me. I write it down, and so you know, I've I got it right in front of me. You know, some of the things, and I I go and I examine them. Like, can you give us an Maggie example Rogers. of something new? Yeah, can you give us an example? Maggie, of well, new it's new not exact. Maggie Rogers, man, I was blown away by her, and she's I think maybe less than a year old. She had a song, uh, uh, "That's Where I Am," that just blew me away. Um, right. There's a uh, a guy. Uh, he goes by Dayglo. And it's just a super, almost, um, uh, it's sort of, it's sort of uh, like Phoenix meets the Beach Boys um, in a song called, okay. uh, called uh, Then It All Goes Away, you know? 
you know, there's things that I hear all the time now, and I just switch around, and I hear these great things coming, and I'm, I'm at the point where I'm, I'm not shutting myself off to it. it I, I, sure. I try to make yeah. sure I come out of my comfort zone a bit and say, you know what, there's something that is a good song is a good song. And it does, it, you know, there's, holy crap, there was uh, uh, this, this girl, Sudan Archives, uh, this song called Selfish Soul. And she, it was just, it blew my mind when I heard it. I'm like, this is just like nothing I, I hear on the radio typically. And, you know, so I, I'm constantly looking for that stuff. And I, I, the more I listen and switch around different stations, the more I hear, the more I, yes. I think, you know, the, the good songs are constantly being written. They may not necessarily be in your lane. And it's just a matter of sort of shutting down the barriers and, and wrapping your head around that and saying, okay, just be open to it and absorbing it. I could. So, yeah, I the- think. No, go ahead, I, I think there, there's no. I just to end it. I, I think that I, I have little doubt that that there is always going to be good music coming out. It's just a matter of finding it. And like it, you know, as one uh, DJ I listen to says, um, it, it, it's it's not how you get there. It's just a matter of whether or not you get arrive at the party on time. You know. <laughs> Hey, I couldn't leave the show with better spoken words. Um, Brian and Bob, I, I really want to thank the both of you guys for being a part of Unscripted tonight. I really feel the magic, and I really feel the passion in your voice, and I really am excited. And you've really excited me about getting out there and music because good music is still being made. It's still continuing, and we should all be listening. And, in fact, I am glad that all of you out there are listening to Unscripted tonight. And I hope you'll join us again next Thursday at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time for another episode. Brian and Bob, thank you guys very much for being on the show. It was greatly appreciated. It was an honor. It was good to talk to you, Bob. Nice talking to you, too. Very impressive uh, knowledge there, Brian. (laughs) That's why we had him on. Thank you. That's why we had him on. And he works for for free. No, thank you guys both. Have a great evening, and um, I hope that, Brian, um, I hope that you will come back and and join us again. I really do. I, I hope you'll uh, yeah, anytime. You, come you, back you and be a number. part of, of Unscripted. All right, you guys have a great night, and we will talk to you soon. All right. Thank, thank you, you guys. Good night.